Hi guys, welcome back to Macabre Fluent. I'm Cass, and today we'll be talking about the Junko Furuto murder. Um, now, if you don't know anything about this murder, uh, just a warning, it is very violent, it's terrible, there is rape, there is torture. Uh, I want to go into detail because I feel like not a lot of people know this case, and I feel like Junko deserves to be remembered and these boys deserve to be called out for the terrible shit they did to Junko so if you can't stomach very graphic gory stuff I wouldn't listen to this one just a heads up so let's talk about Junko who is the victim of this terrible crime but she was also at one point a very alive very loved human being um, so she was born in Misato Satama Prefecture in Japan on January 18th, 1971. Um, she lived at home with her parents, her older brother, and her younger brother. She was attending Yoshio Minami High School, where she was well-liked. She had high grades and very few absences. Um, she was also working part-time at a plastic molding factory after school because she was saving up money for a graduation plan she had. Uh... I'm not really sure what this plan was, but whatever it was, she needed to save up some money for it. Um, and on top of that, she had already accepted a job offer for after graduation at an electronic retailer company. So girl was making moves. She had some plans. She was going to do the damn thing. Now let's talk about the four shitbags that committed this crime. Um, there is Hiroshi Miyano, who is 18. There is Joe... Ogura, who was 17, Shinji Minato, who was 16, you heard that, fucking 16 years old, and Yasushi Watanabe, who was 17. Um, so the four of these guys, they used to use the second floor of Shinji's house, Shinji's the 16-year-old, as a hangout spot, and they were all Chimpira, which is a low-ranking Japanese Yakuza. So to understand why throughout this crime that nobody helped Junko, why nobody did anything to stop these boys, why nobody even fucking reported anything to the police, you have to understand who and what the Yakuza are, because that plays a big part as to why nobody helped this poor girl. So, to put it short, the Yakuza are Japanese gangsters that run a mafia-like organization, but there is a lot more to it than that. They adopt samurai-like rituals, which include bearing elaborate body tattoos on their backs, on their chests, sometimes all over their bodies. Um, so let's, let's talk about the range of crimes they are involved in. So they engage in extortion, blackmail, smuggling, prostitution, drug trafficking, gambling, loan sharking, day labor contracting, and that's just to name a few. There are many more. Um, they also, at the same time, control many restaurants, bars, trucking companies, talent agencies, taxi fleets, factories, and other businesses in major Japanese cities. And on top of all that, they're also involved in worldwide criminal activities, which doesn't really come as a surprise. Um, so it is hard to determine where the Yakuza originally descended from, but there are some ideas. So there were these gangs of ronin, which were masterless samurais who turned to banditry. So that's an option. Or they think that they could have descended from the bands of do-gooders who defended villages from those wayward samurai in the early 17th century. 
Or there's also the idea that they descended from bands of grifters and gamblers in Japanese feudal period, but again, nobody can really point to one as the exact origin of the Yakuza. Um, so membership was at a high for the Yakuza in the early 1960s with about 184,000 members, but in the early 21st century, membership declined to only about 80,000 members. So the way the members are organized is they're organized into hundreds of gangs, hundreds, but most gangs are joined under, under an umbrella of one of some 20 conglomerate gangs. And the largest conglomerate, largest, <laughs> largest conglomerate is the Yamaguchi Gumi. And it was founded in 1915 by Yamaguchi Harakichi, but it was only like fully developed and improved after World War II by Takao Kazuo. So the hierarchy in these gangs is reminiscent to family, kind of like the Italian mafia. So the order goes the leaders, which are the Oyabun. I think that's how you say that. And they're like the bosses or the parents. And then you have the followers called the Koban, which are the apprentices or like the kids. So this, there's a rigid hierarchy and there's a rigid discipline and it's matched by the Yakuza's right-wing ultra-nationalistic ideology. So usually the followers, the Kobun, will take a blood oath of allegiance when they join. And members who break code of the yakuza have to show penance and historically they did this through a ritual where they would cut off their little fingers would cut off their fucking pinkies with a sword and present it to their leaders the oyabun so uh no surprise this practice has severely declined which i think is a good thing so despite their criminal activities and their questionable methods they like to style themselves as a chivalrous organization which apparently they have been known to perform charitable acts. For example, they donated and delivered supplies to earthquake victims in Japan. Um, they also, their crimes also have shifted to more like white collar crimes and they rely more on bribery instead of just outright violence. Uh, as you can imagine, they have a pretty complicated relationship with police. Uh, while membership of the Yakuza isn't illegal, Yakuza-owned businesses and headquarters are, like, clearly marked, so the police know where they are, and the whereabouts and activities of Yakuza are often known to police when taking any action. So, that's just a, a brief history on the Yakuza, and they are, I'd say, they're pretty terrible, and they're pretty scary, so... <laughs> So now that you know about the Yakuza, let's get into the actual crime. So on November 25th, 1988, Hiroshi and Shinji, just remember, Shinji is 16 years old. Shinji is a child. Um, but anyway, Hiroshi and Shinji were wandering around town, Masato, with the intention of raping and robbing local women. You heard that right. They had plans to rape and rob local women. So, unfortunately, at 8.30 p.m., Junko is riding her bike home after her shift at work, and she just happens to pass these guys. So, Hiroshi tells Shinji to kick Junko off her bike, which he does, and then he flees. He just runs away. So, then Hiroshi acts like he just, he just happened to be there. He just happened to watch this strange boy 
kick Junko off her bike. So he goes to Junko and he offers to walk her home safely and her, not knowing any better, accepts. So instead of taking her home, he actually leads her to a nearby warehouse and he reveals his Yakuza connections and then he rapes her. And then he rapes her again at a nearby hotel where he also threatens to kill her. So while he is still at this hotel with Junko, he calls Shinji, Joe, and Yasushi to brag about raping Junko. Um, at this point, apparently Joe asked Hiroshi to keep Junko captive so that multiple people could assault her. So to explain this, the group had a history of violent gang rape and had actually recently kidnapped, raped, and released another yo- another local girl. Another local girl. Surprise, surprise, they were not punished for it because Yakuza. So, around 3 a.m., Hiroshi takes Junko from the hotel to a nearby park where the other three guys were waiting up to meet them. And they go through her book bag because, again, she was coming home from school, so she literally has her school stuff with her. So, they go through her book bag and they find her home address written in a notebook. So, they tell her that they know where she lives and that Yakuza members would go and kill her family if she tried to escape. So at this point, they overpower her and they take her to Shinji's house, which is outside of town, and they gang rape her. So the house they go to obviously is owned by Shinji's parents. Keep that in mind because it does come back into play during the prosecution. So then on November 27th, 1988, is when Junko's parents contact the police about her disappearance. Um, And the guys start to like freak out and they make Junko call her mom and say that she had run away but she was safe and she was staying with friends which is terrible and she was also forced to tell her mom to call off the investigation to tell the police to stop looking for her that she was safe which when you think about where she really is it is terrifying and I can't imagine having to do that so at first When Shinji's parents were around, they made Junko act like she was Shinji's girlfriend, but they stopped doing that when it became very obvious that his parents weren't going to report them. So afterwards, Shinji's parents said that they didn't report him because they knew that Hiroshi had some serious Yakuza connections and that they feared retaliation from the Yakuza. And also, apparently, Shinji was getting violent with his family, which I don't know how violent a 16-year-old boy can be, but... I don't know. It's hard to say because we don't, like, I I can't imagine an organization like the Yakuza. I mean, maybe Mafia. I don't know. I just feel like there's no organization today in America like that that would scare me away from reporting a crime. But apparently the Yakuza were it. Uh, Because Shinji also had a brother who was aware of what was going on, but again, did absolutely fucking nothing. So they ended up holding Junko captive for 40 days, repeatedly beating, raping, and torturing her. So this, everything I'm about to say is according to their statements, the statements that the four boys made. And this is where it's going to get a little graphic. So if you want to dip, don't worry about it. I'm not going to be mad. So according to the boys' four statements, they shaved her pubic hair for some reason. They made her dance naked to music in front of them, which is disgusting. They made her masturbate in front of them, which is also so fucking disgusting. 
Um, they would leave her on a balcony in the middle of the night with little clothing in the middle of winter so she would, like, low-key freeze to death. Um, this is where it gets really nasty. Um, they inserted objects into her vagina and anus. So this included fireworks that were lit, lit cigarettes, skewers of grilled chicken, excuse me, and scissors. Also lit matches, metal rods, and a bottle, as well as a hot light bulb. So as you can imagine, that's fucked up. That's super fucked up, but that's not all they did. Um, they also force-fed her large amounts of alcohol, milk, and water, and also made her eat cockroaches. Um, they also fo- forced her to smoke multiple cigarettes at once and to inhale paint thinner. The fuck? Um, they also burnt her repeatedly, which ugh, sounds so fucking painful. So they would burn her with cigarette lighters. They would put cigarettes out on her. They would put flammable liquid on her feet and legs and then light it. And at one point, they also burnt her eyelids with a cigarette lighter, which, like, oh, it just sounds so horrifically painful. And I, I feel so sorry for her, like, that she had to go through this. It's so, it's so, ugh, ugh, I hate thinking about it. Um, they also beat her with multiple objects, including an iron barbell, iron rods, bamboo sticks, and a golf club. They also, this is terrible, held her face against the concrete ground and jumped on it. At one point, they also tied her up and used her body as a punching bag, and they also would smash her hands with weights, causing her fingernails to crack. Um, at one point, god, these these boys are like fucking demons. They have to be. They, like, who the no normal fucking person thinks to do these things to another human being. It's so gross. So at one point, they cut her left nipple, basically like destroying it with a pair of pliers. They also stabbed sewing needles into her chest area, and they also severely damaged her eardrums, and afterwards, she had extreme reduced brain size. I just, I can't even believe, like, she lived through a lot of this. It fucking baffles me. It's crazy. So, by the end of December, you, as you can imagine, Junko is severely malnourished. She even, like, vomits when trying to drink water because she's so broken. Her body can't even keep water down. So, due to her severe injuries, and now she has these infected burns on her feet and legs, she can't go down the stairs to use the toilet. So, now she's just confined to, to the floor of Shinji's room, weak as shit, because no human being should be tortured like this it's super fucked up so on january 4th 1989 so they took her like end of november and now it is january think about that uh hiroshi lost a game of mahjong and decided to vent his anger out on jungo because why wouldn't he so as a group they kicked and punched her they lit a candle and dripped hot wax on her face they also put two small candles on her eyelids like, what the fuck? And made her drink her own piss. So, at this point, supposedly they kicked her and she fell onto a stereo unit and then collapsed into convulsions. She is bleeding profusely from her nose and mouth. Pus is coming out of her infected burns. 
So apparently the boys covered their hands with plastic bags so they wouldn't get pus on their hands while continuing to beat her. Because, you know, we can, we can fucking torture a human being to death, but God forbid we get pus on our hands. Am I right? Um, so then they dropped an iron exercise ball on her stomach several times, and then they said, what the hell? And they just poured lighter fluid all over her and then set her on fire. Now, the heartbreaking thing about this is that apparently she tried to put the fire out, but then she became unresponsive and later she died of shock from her burns, which what a horrific way to go out after a horrific month of being tortured. Like, R.I.P. Junko. So less than 24 hours after Junko's death, the boys are, uh, the boys must have, like, gone out because Shinji's brother calls Shinji and is like, yo, Junko looks like she's dead. So the boys are afraid that they'll get in trouble for literally murdering someone. <laughs> like, they didn't know what was going to happen. So they wrapped her in blankets, shoved her in a travel bag, put the bag in a 55-gallon drum, and then filled the drum with wet concrete. And then later that night, around 8 p.m., they loaded the drum and disposed of it in a cement truck in Koto, Tokyo. So a good bit away from where they were. So January 23rd, 1989, this is the same month, uh, Hiroshi and Joe are arrested for the gang rape of a 19-year-old that they kidnapped in December. Uh, I don't really think anything came of that. I think they were arrested and then released. Uh, on March, because then again, on March 29th, two officers come to interrogate Hiroshi and Joe because women's underwear had been found at their addresses. And while they're being investigated, sorry, not investigated, while they're being interrogated, Hiroshi started to think that one of the officers knew that he was involved in Junko's murder. So Hiroshi said to himself, well, Joe must have confessed to Junko's murder. So Hiroshi fucking cracks and just tells them where to find Junko's body. And the police are kind of like, what the fuck? Because they were asking him about a different woman who her and her seven-year-old son had been murdered nine days prior to them taking Junko. And fun fact, that woman and her seven-year-old son who'd been, who were murdered, that case is still unsolved to this day. But anyway, the police go and they find the drum with Junko's body the very next day. But they had to identify her with fingerprints because she was so physically broken. So on April 1st, 1989, Joe gets arrested for a separate sexual assault and then is re-arrested for Junko's murder. And then they went out and they arrested Yasushi, Shinji, and Shinji's brother. Um, there were also other accomplices identified and charged, including Tetsuo Nakamura and Koichi Iharo. Please don't come at me for my Japanese pronunciation. I don't know any Japanese. I'm just guessing. But yeah, these two other accomplices were identified and charged because their DNA was found inside Junko. So then you have to think that these boys were probably letting other men... I don't know if they would be would have been like Yakuza members, but they were letting other men come in and basically rape Junko. And not one of these men did a single damn thing. So fuck everyone who was involved with Junko's murder. You can burn in hell. So prosecution time. The boys who were all 
juveniles at the time of this murder, I repeat, they were all juveniles at the time of this murder, were called A, B, C, and D in court documents uh, because they were juveniles, so they had to protect their identities. But, and this is my favorite part of this whole thing, journalists from Shukan Bunshun magazine discovered who the boys were and published their names saying that due to the severity of their crime they didn't deserve the right to anonymity and fuck yes to those journalists you are the real heroes so all four of the boys pled guilty to committing bodily injury resulting in death instead of fucking murder and the boys all claimed that they didn't realize how badly she was injured and that they thought she was fucking faking it. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That, oh God, that makes me so mad. So July 1990, a lower court sentences Hiroshi, who is basically like the leader of this whole crime, to 17 years in prison. You're not hearing me wrong. These are going to be small, small sentences. So but stick around. Uh, they sentenced Shinji to four to six years in prison. They sentenced Yasushi to three to four years in prison. And they sentenced Joe to eight years in a juvenile prison. So, <clears throat> Hiroshi. Um, so, Hiroshi uh, would appeal his sentence. And a Tokyo High Court judge, Ryuji Yanasi, sent him to prison for three more years. Because he said, fuck you, you're not getting out. <laughs> But again, only three more years. Um, so total, he would serve 20 years in jail. Um, and this was actually the second highest sentence ever given in Japan before the life imprisonment was used. Fun fact, which is crazy. 20 fucking years, that's it. Uh, Hiroshi was 18 at the time of the crime. So he he did get the highest sentence. Not, I mean, it could have been higher, but he had the highest sentence out of all the boys um, his mom also had to pay 50 million yen, which is about 40, not 40, $425,000 in compensation as ordered by the civil court. But she, to do this, she had to sell their family home. Um, in 2004, he was denied parole. And then after he's released in January 2013, he is rearrested for fraud. But there was insufficient evidence, so he was released later that month. So, uh, fuck Hiroshi. Yes, you heard that correctly. He is walking free. Let's go on to Shinji. So, when he appealed his case to Judge Ryuji Inasi, the judge sentenced him to five to nine years. Instead of four to six, he would now serve five to nine. He was 16 at the time of the murder. He was the youngest out of all the boys. And after his release, he moved back in with his mom, and he hasn't worked a day in his life since. But in 2018, he was arrested for attempted murder of a 32-year-old man. Yes, you heard that right, attempted murder. So here's, here's how the story goes. Um, the victim, this 32-year-old man, was sitting in a car at a stoplight, and he noticed that Shinji was staring at him. So he asked Shinji, you know, what are you looking at, dude? What are you looking at? And this pissed Shinji off, so Shinji, Shinji punched him. And the victim and his friend got out of the vehicle, and they, an altercation ensued. And Shinji beat the victim with a baton, so the victim and his friend bounced, and they went and got back in the car. And Shinji slashed at the victim's neck with a knife. Uh, luckily, the victim survived, but Shinji did get in trouble for this. But I'm pretty sure Shinji is free again, to be honest. 
That would not surprise me. Don't quote me on that, but I have a feeling he is free now. So Yasushi Watanabe, when he appealed his case to Judge Ryuji Inasi, the judge increased his prison time from three to four years to five to seven years. Um, Yasushi was 17 at the time of the murders. Um, and since he's been released, he's kind of kept his head down. There's not much about him. He hasn't committed any crimes. He's just going about his business, living his life, which, like, good for Yasushi, but also fuck Yasushi because this is a terrible thing that he did and he can burn in hell. Um, last but not least, Joe Agura, our man. Um, he was released from juvenile prison in August 1999. He was 17 at the time of the murders. Uh, yes, I'm a little confused why Joe got sent to juvenile prison and none of the other kids did, especially the 16-year-old. I don't know why, but whatever, whatever. So apparently after Joe was released from juvenile prison, he would go around bragging about his role in kidnapping, raping, and torturing Junko. And for that, there is a special place in hell for him. Um, in July 2004, Joe was arrested for assaulting Takatoshi Isono. So... Takatoshi was an acquaintance of Joe's girlfriend, and Joe got it into his head that Takatoshi and his girlfriend were fooling around behind his back. So Joe went and tracked him down, beat the shit out of him, shoved him into his truck, drove him to his mom's bar in Misato, and continued to beat him for hours. During this beating, he repeatedly threatened to kill Takatoshi, and apparently said that he'd murdered before and he knew how to get away with it, which he basically did. So, for this crime, he was sent to prison for seven years, and he has since been released. Now, the craziest fucking part about this is that Joe's mother vandalized Junko's grave because she thought Junko had ruined her son's life. There's also a special place in hell for Joe's mom. Fuck this woman. Um... It's also reported that Joe used his dad's savings, which was money intended to pay for restitution to Junko's family on just all kinds of shit that he wanted to buy. He just fucking blew through the money because he's a piece of shit. Fuck Joe. Him and Hiroshi can suck the devil's ass. I hate them. Um, so obviously Junko's parents were fucking devastated by the light sentencing given to these boys. But they did win a civil suit against Shinji's parents remember because they owned the house where the crimes were committed so they i think they just were looking for justice in any way they could get it because they the sentences these boys were given they did not get the justice that they deserved but no worries many people believed that the sentencing was too light which it fucking was um but if you do a little research research do a little research in japan prison is geared towards the rehabilitation of criminals instead of just harsh punishment like it is in the United States. Um, excuse me. And there actually are restrictions on the number of years a juvenile can be charged. Which I still think is fucking stupid and they should have made an exception in this case, but that's on them. So the aftermath. Um, when Junko's mother heard the disgusting details of what happened to her daughter she fainted which i don't blame her and afterwards she also had to undergo psychiatric outpatient treatment which again who can fucking blame her this is terrible um junko's funeral was on april 2nd 1989 her intended future employer presented her parents with the uniform she would have worn and it was placed in her casket and at her high school graduation where she should have been graduating her principal presented her diploma to her parents, 
and at the location near where her body was found, it has now been developed and is the Wakasu Park, which I think is a beautiful tribute to this amazing young woman who had such a bright future that was fucking ripped from her in such a horrific way. Like, what a, what a terrible way to go out. Um, I didn't include this because I didn't exactly know the timeline of where these these events happened but apparently there were several times where Junko tried to run away and escape but instead she would run into like Shinji's parents while she was trying to escape and she would beg them to help her and they just flat out wouldn't so fuck Shinji's parents I hope they are also rotting in hell and there was a point during her torture which I think this is so fucking sad it literally breaks my heart that she just begged the boys to just kill me and get it over with. How sad is that? It is it is a horrific crime. I'm only I'm once I learned about it I was more surprised that more people don't talk about it because it is fucking terrifying. I think it's the most brutal crime I've ever heard of. Um but all the men responsible are fucking walking free. And I think it that is the biggest injustice of all. And I hope each of them dies a very painful, torturous death, like the death they gave Junko. Fuck all four of them. Um, yeah, I just hope that one day, no matter how it comes about, I hope Junko and her family get the justice that they deserve because this just ain't it, sis. This was not justice for them, and it's super fucked up. It's fucked up. So I'm going to end today's episode by reading Junko's friend's memorial dress that she gave at Junko's funeral. Junchan, welcome back. I've never imagined that we would see you again in this way. You must have been in so much pain, so much suffering. The hapi, which is a traditional tube sleeve Japanese coat in case you didn't know, we all made for the school festival looked really good on you. We will never forget you. I have heard that the principal has presented you with a graduation certificate. So we graduated together, all of us. Jun-chan, there is no more pain, no more suffering. Please rest in peace. And I second that. I hope Junko is fucking having the time of her life in the afterlife. And uh, that one day she gets to wreak her havoc on the four boys who ended her life. And also Joe's mom, because fuck that lady. And also Shinji's parents, because fuck them. But anyway, fly high, Junko. Um, so that's it for today, guys. I hope you liked it. I know it's a bit longer than the other ones I've done, but it was a pretty big case. And I will see you next week.